Welcome to Startup in Estonia, a podcast where we discuss launching new businesses and the ecosystem needed to nurture great ideas. We talk to the founders of both new and established startups and the benefits they gain setting their businesses up in Estonia through the Startup Visa program. Help your fellow founders to learn more about setting businesses up in Estonia by sharing this podcast. Without further ado, it's time to dive into today's episodes. Here's your host, Joao Ray. So welcome everybody to the uh, episode of Startup in Estonia. This episode today is quite special because we're in a tiny, tiny islands uh, west coast of Estonia called Vormzi. And for the past two days, we've gathered here with the uh, brightest minds in the startup Estonia community to talk about the future of the ecosystem and how to bring more people to join the startup community. Today, we have two very special guests. We have Marika True, who's the head of the Startup Estonia uh, team. And we have Martin Kaivats, who's uh, the national digital advisor in Estonia. Uh, before we begin with the, the, the show itself, maybe a little bit of an intro. Uh, Marika, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your role in Startup Estonia. Well, um, Startup Estonia as a program is a governmental initiative. Uh, we are a small team of seven and uh, half a year ago I joined it as the head of the program. And now basically I would say that half of my team is uh, from the startup field and half of them are uh, related to the governmental position. So I think that we are in a, in a nice position to understand better the community and to think what could be the next steps for that. And my own background is also I've been working mostly uh, actually in sales uh, in different uh, Estonian startups and uh, and also leading, uh, uh, leading and organizing hackathons for the uh, Central and Eastern European region with the Garage 48. The Garage 48, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Cool. And uh, Martin, a little bit about what the, what does a national digital advisor do? Basically, the official uh, thing is that uh, I support uh, the Estonian Prime Minister on matters of information society and innovation. But uh, this is uh, has been working out like a kind of an in-house visionary position, uh, meaning that uh, basically I'm kind of responsible for all of the new stuff that... Uh, government and the bureaucracy and the apparatus actually has not implemented yet and does not understand and uh, i'm responsible for building a baseline framework so that in time when when mass implementation would be available then the government would actually be ready for those things and uh, it's a, it's a very very i, I really like uh, i'm a proud uh, civil servant Mm-hmm. And I think that Estonia has a lot of unique positions to be in and to build build something that is very very special. Right. And and why so why why national digital advisor? Why not just you know future something advisor? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, the, the digital thing gets me a regular pay. I think <laughs> <laughs> because but but I, I must also uh, come. It's, I don't work like startups is only a small part of my whole domain. Uh, my background is I'm an architect, city planner actually, and also I'm responsible for, for example, spatial planning things, which is something completely different. Uh, but uh, I really believe that all this technological change will completely change human spatial behavior and the interactions with it. 
So actually working on digital policy is much, much more effective than, than drawing roads and Physical, housing. Yeah. houses. But they do are interlinked and, and, uh, and I think it's important to see the, the whole picture in a holistic way. And also I'm uh, responsible for the long-term uh, planning, so, so something like the vision thing. Exactly, and that's, that's exactly the point of this uh, episode is that you know, throughout the series we've been talking about the, the, the startup visa, uh, the initiatives that we're taking by Startup Estonia to make it easier for uh, foreign founders and, and, and local startups to recruit that talent. Um, today's episode is a little bit of a reflection and looking to the future. So what's what's next? Where do we want to take it? Uh, maybe just as a recap, uh, Marika, can you tell us a little bit about you know how does your uh, organization measure the success of the uh, startup visa? Yeah, for us, we've been uh, of course uh, the startup visa now is uh, from uh, the beginning of 2017. So we've had quite a good uh, year and a half to see. Uh, a pilot and test the startup visa scheme and I would say that now we are kind of uh, relaunching it uh, with new ideas and trying to scale uh, scale the program we see uh, we've conducted the research and we see like what are the main interests and expectations from the foreigners who come in uh, we've tried to implement those uh, we know the main priority countries where, where we want to work and where we see that the foreigners would want to relocate to Estonia. So I think this is kind of the new beginning uh, for the startup visa from uh, September. But if you look at the startup visa as, you know, another sort of government startup program, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think a good parallel here is like with the e-residency, which uh, started, you know, with the mindset of being a startup within the government. So they set themselves KPIs, they have, you know, some bottlenecks that they want to address. Uh, if you look at the startup visa in the mm -hmm. same framework, uh, how do you see, like, what are the bottlenecks now in the program that don't allow you to scale as fast as you'd like? Or are you ready, like, have you found this, you know, to put it in startup term, have you found the product market fit? And are you ready to scale? And what's keeping you from scaling? Yeah, we are actually continuously mapping out the journey for the foreign founder who would relocate. And I think the main bottlenecks today are actually here in Estonia in the sense that uh, the services what we provide for both our citizens, but also for the foreigners who come are the same challenges, right? So uh, finding, uh, finding housing, uh, um, medical services, uh, opening bank accounts, all of those services need to be better and scalable <coughs> so that uh, once uh, the foreigners come in, that their expectations are actually met. And that's actually kind of also the, the reflection of the discussions we had yeah. over the past <coughs> two days when we had this session about, you know, how to attract and then retain that talent mm -hmm. that a lot of the issues in the beginning uh, maybe are unique to the, you know, people coming here from abroad. But after a while, after being here for a while, there, you know, the, the issues are the same for the locals and for exactly. the, the foreigners. Um, but uh, when it comes to attracting more people, are you focused on getting people to come here and start their company or people who want to come here and work for an existing startup? Yeah, so the startup visa logic is that uh, you could apply it for both. So either to work in an Estonian startup as an employee and then also to come as a startup founder and then become an employer for the others, right? So in that sense, uh, we today with Startup Estonia, we focus more on the small teams and the founders because we see that they are the future employers. 
for the for the others, right? And they could be bringing in then the other employees as well. But uh, the same startup visa scheme applies for the work in Estonia team under the Enterprise Estonia, who are responsible for bringing the talent and the employees to the startups. So I think that the both ways are working really well right now. But we focus uh, for the founders, yeah. All right, and and uh, maybe to bring Martin into the to the discussion, uh, you don't deal directly with uh, with startups, but if you look at the branding of Estonia in the past few years, then it has been very much this sort of you know startup nation, e-government uh, nation. If Estonia wants to become like a, a true startup nation, what's what's missing? What are the things that you know are not there yet? that would bring because i think some of the discussions we had this weekend were also on on the level of you know if you want to be if you want to be the country where people come here to start their companies that's one thing but then the fear is that they leave at some point right that you know when they come to the level of you know taxify pipe drive transfer wise then they might leave and <coughs> in the life cycle of a startup you want to make sure that they don't just start here, but they stay here. So is there is there a national, you know, thinking of, you know, do we want to just be the place where they start? Or we also want to be the place where we keep them and, you know, the big fish also come here. So uh, basically, I would say that uh, what is missing, uh, I think uh, this change that the society is currently doing, uh, I, I, I would claim that technology actually is playing as a, small but vital part in it this is a cultural and societal change yeah so uh, it's all about building a mindset and culture uh, of adaptiveness and startups are a great example of it uh, showing how how to work with different new methods being open-minded and so forth uh, i think in in this respect of building a culture of adaptiveness uh, estonia is come a long way uh, so i think in global wise we're in a pretty good state because we're a small country uh, and our branding basically what we want to build is to build a, like a model state an experimental state where people can come out and come and try new things and startups are, are the best example of this uh, when you have a new idea Estonia is the basically the perfect place to start with it even if it needs uh, some kind of regulation changes or whatnot but uh, we can be dynamic and fast we've been building this for 20 years but uh, uh, there, of course, are some practical troubles and a few of those Marek already mentioned, uh, but uh, there is still a long way to go uh, because, uh, as we see, the, basically there is only two things we know about long-term future. That is that the, the global population will uh, basically scale up to 10 billion people and, and stop roughly there. And the second is that the change changes come, come faster and faster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the only thing we can actually do is to build society's resilience uh, and to become more adaptive to change. Uh, and, and that's that's a mindset. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I think we can say that uh, uh, disruption is part of our national curriculum, mm -hmm. meaning that uh, every disruption is good uh, because it uh, kind of teaches the society the nature of change. Uh, government's job here is to see look in the future uh, and and if the disruption is way 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 too radical then perhaps make that period of transition a bit longer so that uh, the society would actually be able to change not to have some reactions against that right uh, but otherwise uh, like 
I don't know, legalizing uh, rights sharing and things like that all the way as fast as we go because this teaches the society how to change. Right. Uh, in terms of practicalities, of course, uh, there is lots of lots of things to do, but I think uh, what has more or less, uh, basically being a public uh, or civil servant, I, I've been in this pos- uh, this job or domain for three years. My background is in civil society and architecture and something completely different. But when I went to the civ- uh, civil society, uh, uh, civil service, uh, Basically, the coolest thing was that I actually realized that the direction of the country and the people uh, more or less running it, and I mean currently like top civil servants, for me, their values and directions are totally legit. Mm-hmm. The problem sometimes is that those people maybe cannot uh, communicate those, but but they're cool people. And, and, and this what I mean here is that I think the direction that Estonia has taken has been a very, very smart one. Uh, there are lots of practicalities, but... Uh, I th- and, and, and speaking of these practicalities, so, uh, you know, besides the, the startup visa and a couple of other initiatives that are already ongoing, mm. do, you, do you both think that there's something either in the pipeline or some other initiatives that the government can take to, to attract and, and then retain uh, these foreign talents and, you know, make sure that's, the smartest people around the world solving some of those issues that are going to affect everyone decide to do it uh, through Estonia or somehow in Estonia? Uh, I think uh, still the most unique and best example is the residency thing uh, because um, Estonia is still a small country, uh, 1.3 million people. Uh, and and, and that's, that's what it is. We actually, me as a spatial planner, we actually have very little different tools to make a, like a, like a, become a massively bigger country, but with e-residency and the, the the concept of decoupling your economic location and from your physical one, basically uh, helps Estonia become much much bigger and and building a community of people who might not physically be in Estonia but would still be mental in the same room, uh, at least every once in a while. Uh, and I think this is something that is of critical and strategical value uh, to, to build this community thing uh, even better. And the team is doing a great job, uh, though, of course, there are some, some, some practical. It, it's funny that you mention that because I've talked to a lot of e-residents and I think the assumption for a lot of people who are not too familiar with the program is that people use it because of the tax advantages that might come. But in reality... Uh, there are not that many tax advantages compared to other more beneficial tax countries. Yeah. And and a lot of people take it because they share the mindset mm-hmm. and because they share the vision and they want to be part of that and therefore doing it. And of course, you know, the ease of business of having a European-based company. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them do it because of this shared uh, values. Uh, building a digital society and, uh, and, and e-Estonia or something like that uh, this is a mindset thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so then the residency guys are doing a great job of actually spreading that mindset. So, so you can be an Estonian even if you are like a citizen of Thailand or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, if you yeah. if you relate and can connect to that kind of a culture, uh, then then that's okay. Uh, I would actually comment on this even more. Is that so? Martin said really nice that we are a very small country of 1.3 million people only. But now if you look at the residents or you look of the mindset people who share the same values with us, 
there are so many more. So I think that's uh, kind of the one thing what we haven't used really well as Estonians is how to use those ambassadors to support us even more. That we have thousands and thousands of people who already uh, share the same values. They know what Estonia is and they are kind of, um, (coughs) if you look at the... Uh, focus group of the e-residents today they are the kind of the early adopters of the new technologies right they they did it because they liked the idea of it so now how could we share that even more that they would become our ambassadors and and one other side of it is that this uh, this community of e-residents not uh, not physical residents i think the core value for estonia uh, is also that uh, this uh, kind of satellite community around estonia would also enrich the core community, local and physical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I think this is very critical because if you... Well, Estonia still is a periphery. Uh, it's not one of the major innovation hubs and could not possibly be physically. But theoretically, if we build a strong community, it could become one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this would also enrich the local community to be more adaptive to those changes because we need that to be resilient in the in the long term run. So, so with that with that point of view, are there are there practical initiatives coming from I don't know Startup Estonia or other other government initiatives that would build uh, that community? Well, we for example with Startup Estonia are piloting uh, now. Uh, smaller kind of uh, tests together with the e-residency team to see how could we support each other so that let's say those e-residents who today are already fans of Estonia would they be willing to already relocate as well and start a visa and could help them in that so that would bridge the gap between e-residency and the startup visa in yeah. a way okay uh, any plans on when that might well uh, the really like the fastest actionable things, uh, we're, we're having a, a roadshow uh, during the whole autumn season, uh, visiting uh, different countries and the e-residency team would be part of those events uh, in some of the locations where they see that they have a lot of their customer base as well. Are, is there any work beyond, uh, you know, visa programs, anything related with, I don't know, taxes or... Uh other initiatives that the government might have to make Estonia look more attractive uh, for these uh, people? Well, uh, yes, uh, there is a whole set of different uh, policies, uh, but uh, these not always are like startup specific. Uh, But uh, there is like, when we have building a digital society for 20 years, the tools we use on a regular basis have started to change our mind as well. When yeah. the, when the, uh, in the beginning, uh, this, this uh, building a digital, going digital, this was mainly a, a quantitative issue, making stuff cheaper, faster and so forth. Then I think the, the, the tools we use have changed our mind in a way that we, uh, from the government point of view, also think and focus more on quality. Uh, which means actually the systematic change of the system itself. Uh, although uh, compared to many other places, uh, Estonia regulatively and, 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 the, and the apparatus of Estonia works fast, uh, then I think for a startup mind still sometimes uh, the system is slow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, by step by step, we are moving towards uh, more openness, more adaptiveness and... and uh, one of those uh, ideas and concepts for, for, for startups, for example, currently like AI is the big buzzword and, and lots of other, other technologies. 
we are starting to build artificial intelligence law, which in Estonia we call CRET law, uh, which uh, will be ready possibly uh, by uh, June 2019. So, so, so that means that you know, if you think of the whole ecosystem of you know future technologies and future startups that might come here, right now that doesn't seem to be a focus on one or another. Uh, so, so it's, you're basically open for business for whoever wants to come here. But is there now a sort of a direction that we want to make it more appealing for those working on AI uh, and maybe automation related startups? Uh, that's one thing. But uh, Estonia is too small uh, to actually have a like, OK, uh, uh, some cities are like, okay, th this is a place for fintech. This is a place for exactly. something else. So, so is Estonia uh, looking uh, for a specialization within the startup uh, ecosystem? Uh, well, the AI thing, but that is very, very general. That is not the specialization. That's just another tool. It's just a, yeah, like it's a, a development. Kind of it's a horizontal thing. So yeah, but so, you know, uh, if you, we, if you we, are think, able to change I the legal think, framework, uh, um, I think it's. Uh, actually not reasonable also because uh, we we as a small country should not put all our eggs in one basket right so so because uh, that doesn't build resilience yeah right? yeah so, you also so need to be... uh, Estonian information architecture has been like decentralized from ground up so mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, continuing the same strategy and building an ecosystem that would enable like also fintech but also mobility and whatnot listening to the Startup in Estonia podcast. We're going to get back to the show shortly, but before that, here's a quick message. The Estonian startup visa is meant for non-EU startup founders who wish to be part of one of the smallest but liveliest startup communities in Europe as a founder. Under the startup visa program, a startup is defined as a business with the goal to develop and launch an innovative and repeatable business model with great global growth potential which also contributes significantly to the development of the business environment in Estonia. The program allows you to take advantage of one of the world's best business environments and a buzzing startup scene. To learn more about the program, please visit www.startupestonia.ee visa. And now, let's get back to the show. But, but uh, tell us a little bit about this AI uh, legislation that you're uh, considering. What, what does that mean in practical terms? Uh, basically, the great law is about uh, granting algorithms representative rights. So, uh, the, I don't know, bureaucratic way of saying it, it's a general algorithmic liability law. Uh, the question is that uh, if I don't know it, if you look at self-driving cars, the best example of that. But we don't only consider self-driving cars, but any other drones, ships, stockpots, smart refrigerator, and whatnot. Uh, the question is the same in each and every case. If something goes wrong, what, who, who's who, guilty? Who do I blame? Yes. Right? Yeah. So I think in, in self-driving cars, I think the insurance part is like one of the main sort of barriers. And if you can. Find a way. These are technicalities. This is very yeah, easy. exactly. Yeah, because... so, so it's not it's not a, it's not a technical from the coding point of view, no. but it's a legal uh, issue, this, and you're uh... trying to address that by giving uh, algorithms uh, a representation, so they would you would be able to 
point the finger at someone? Basically, yes, but uh, okay, maybe a comparison that is not maybe <laughs> appropriate. But I, as an architect, uh, uh, when I draw a sketch of a house, and at one point I put the toilet, the sign of a toilet pot to some location, uh, then in the Estonian system, in the third phase, when I have a contractor who's willing to build this, and I have a license to build it, then I need to choose the toilet pot. Uh, there are thousands of different toilet spots. All of them do the work. Uh, and uh, I have to choose one. The one in the sitting in the floor, one in the uh, wall. With this AI law, we are in the position of actually deciding which kind of liability we will choose. Mm. But it's very critical to do it in a way that non-experts would understand because this is not the technology question. And this is something that the lawyers or the actual tech people who are like very good at it, engineers, uh, not necessarily get it. Because this is a societal issue. This is basically defining the baseline human algorithm relationship in a legal nature. And uh, But uh, what would this uh, uh, basically look like? The most aggressive uh, version that we are suggesting is uh, making a separate legal entity uh, to algorithms. Uh, so uh, from Roman law times, there has been like a physical ci- person, a citizen, Uh, And then there was an abstraction. They made up a thing called a legal personhood, like a company. Uh, This is a pure abstraction of the mind. And currently we are actually thinking about making a third one, which would be an algorithm. In practicalities, this would work similar to a company. Right. And uh, like uh, basically you register your Siri in your iPhone and uh, grant the mandate of, I don't know, Siri can buy me 100 euros worth of food and beer per week. And if if the Siri understands that oh I'm currently hungry, then pfft. they'll buy it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's also widening the legal conception of uh, intent. Uh, what does a person need to do so that uh, that uh, something would happen? Because if if an algorithm can basically predict quite a lot of things, then then then. But this is a problem of legal uh, nature. And the question is not technological. It's it's about basically, it's an emotional side of deciding who is guilty. Because so, if a self-driving car kills somebody, of course, you want to know who is guilty. Yeah. It's about reaching societal like uh, uh, agreement on that, that, uh, okay, now we have decided that we do it this way. But let, let's, let's bring one of the discussions that was also very... Uh... Uh, very thematic during this uh, last two days here in 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 Vormzy. Um kind of like okay we have all these initiatives right but why 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 are we doing this so if you think of AI and the the, the initiatives that you're taking now with uh, with this are you doing it with the hopes of attracting more people to Estonia to work on this or what's sort of like the long term uh, vision. What's what you know? Why are we doing this? Why are we attracting people to come here and start our companies? Why are we moving in the direction of giving uh, algorithms uh, uh, their own sort of uh, so in rights? parallel with working the law, uh, working on the law issue, uh, we are also working on the strategy, uh, how to actually do that. From also uh, what can government do to uh, basically help and enable this kind of changes also in the private sector, which is basically mostly about removing barriers and creating some extra incentives so that, uh, I don't know, AI startups could come and uh, would have a fruitful nature, uh, like location. 
I think for AI specifically, uh, Estonia is in a unique position that, uh, okay, many countries like, I don't know, France, uh, like just uh, launched their strategy of 1.3 billion euros uh, to AI. Uh, for them, it's actually quite difficult to uh, see the fruits of that because in a paper-based bureaucracy, you really need to work on the very, very basics. In Estonia, uh, when we have building a digital society, we have a unique point. We actually have the data to teach the algorithms. And, and, and a lot of that homework has already been done. Exactly. Right? So you, the, you already start with a strong base. Yeah. So we actually have the data to train the algorithms. That's a unique thing. Yes, we do need to yes, like clean it up and do changes. But uh, uh, I think we are like more or less like 10 years uh, in front of paper-based bureaucracies more even perhaps de depending on the culture. Uh, so we are actually thinking quite a lot how to uh, open up the data so that if, for example, from the startup point of view, if you have a startup, uh, young AI startup uh, and, and wherever you are, it doesn't have to be an Estonian person, then uh, uh, we, there's an idea. Um, we don't have like finances yet to do that, but but uh, but there's a process. And uh, but I think that it will work out. Uh, is that basically a two pro two problems? Uh, you need massive amounts of computing power, and that's fairly easy. But uh, but uh, we want to build basically uh, computing uh, uh, like uh, servers in, in in universities, so that startups would be able to actually utilize them for free. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you need it, uh, also like students and science and, and something like that. But the second part is, which is complicated, more complicating is uh, allowing startups actual access to the to data, the data. Mm -hmm. uh, which is more and more complicated because uh, in Estonia, I think the thing we have been doing in a good way compared to other countries is that we have been building a value-based digital society. And value-based, I don't just mean like money. I mean, like, we care about privacy. Estonia is the only country in the world who can actually say that we are the, we as a citizen of Estonia, I am the owner of my data. No other countries can say that. If we can manage to build this ecosystem in a secure, private and safe way, uh, and also grant access uh, to, the, to the data uh, in that uh, way, then I think we can build a, a, a true example how we can build a society without Big Brother, uh, without the examples of China and, and stuff like that. Uh, but there are because, because because the power and the control of the data is in the hands of uh, of its of its citizens. Yeah, mm. uh, and and I think this case study uh, is critical to the global world, uh, and this is why. Uh, well, uh, as I understand, I invite all startups to come to Estonia who really care about these core values. That uh, if, if you want to build a society that is the, the, the utopia, then Estonia is the place. Yeah, and I think if, you, if you're thinking global terms, then uh, I think lack of trust is one of the main issues facing, uh, facing a lot of societies today. Yeah. And, uh, and if, you could, if Estonia could bridge that gap that would be that would be very very good. yeah in estonia we don't have the big brother we have the small one and the small one you can beat up when necessary <laughs> because you're bigger than it yeah. uh marika what about for for startup estonia is there like yeah. a, is there a, a why behind all of these initiatives that you're taking and the future initiatives that you're taking 
I think this uh, this weekend here was uh, exactly to the point that all of the organizations asked the same question together. Is that why we are actually doing this or why do we want some change? Uh, what is important is that we today we have a really good community. Like we have so many different partners and organizations who are working for a great cause. Now we just need to create the narrative or the story that we would take the next step forward and we would know that this leap, we're making it together. Or kind of even measuring uh, better the organizations and the strengths what we have and kind of working towards a better community. I think one of the participants put it that, you know, Estonia in the, in the you know, 90s had a very clear goal and, and mission. Mm-hmm. And in a way that that kind of got fulfilled and now we need what's what's the next you know what's the next why why, why are we and one of here? the things which i really liked which came out uh, from the different sessions is that everyone is putting a lot of efforts on actually describing the why also for the education system is that how should we change the overall education system uh, broaden the mo- uh, thinking of the startup ecosystem is that we already start from really early with the mindset the startup mindset and then working forward, right? So one of the things that I really like about Estonia is this, uh, you know, the power dynamics between the citizens and the governments is very different from from other countries. I mean, you mentioned the, you know, the big brother, but I think programs like uh, the e-residency, uh, what, what you guys are doing with the startup uh, visa, they actually have some resilience to changes in government. Yeah, we had we've had changes in government in Estonia, and these programs uh, continue. The discussions we were having were also on finding the why, and it's not like you need to wait for the government to be the one to tell you, you know, what, what's the why, and and even if the government does change, that vision remains intact. Yeah, and that, this is very very critical, uh, and. Uh, Last 10 years, Estonia has seen a radical change in civil society as well. And civil society, I include companies. This is just initiatives, yeah. uh, non-profit and profit. But uh, initiatives that are for more or less have a bigger vision and, and, and the why is bigger. Because you can't have a bigger vision if you're depending on a government who's up for elections in, in four years. Yes, right? uh, and, but... Uh, and this, uh, I think, is the like like Marika said, we have a more or less great community, but there's still a lot of work, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, in Estonia, the mindset is that you not necessarily have to wait for the government to do something. You can do it yourself. And this kind of healthy disrespect for authority is, I think, a very critical mindset uh, value. Uh, that uh, something doesn't work, I fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a problem. I solve it, and so on. And and both from the from the private sector and from the civil society, like NGO side, it, this is starting to build a culture. I think you said it very well because you said it that it's a sort of you know disrespect for authority, but it's not a distrust in no. the uh, in the authority. So you you understand mm-hmm. that you know you you are in control of your data, but you don't expect them to be taking care of uh, everything. So you also take initiative yourself in coming up with some of these initiatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like building trust, uh, I would say that uh, like like usually, like globally currently, uh, people's, uh, according to different analytics, uh, people's trust towards institutions and politicians, this is the lowest. At ever. the lowest, yeah. But I would claim that in Estonia, people trust the information architecture. They might know, not know what that is, <laughs> 
but they trust the information architecture. And by that, I mean, basically the technical architecture uh, of, of the information society, but I also mean the legal system that is mm-hmm. backing up the technical architecture. And I also mean the culture and the mindset built on those things in within the apparatus. So, so uh, actually, there's a very strong resilience uh, towards this kind of political changes. And this is very, very critical. So uh, I think the smartest decision in, in, in the end of 90s uh, and the beginning of 2000 is to start building a decentralized uh, government yeah. architecture, like technically. Uh, and, and this has been critical because now um, people have gotten used to their responsibilities. They are responsible for one thing, but not necessarily the other. Mm. And, and this, is, this is very, very necessary. If we talk about other industries that Estonia might want to attract uh, in terms of startups. Okay, we, we mentioned AI. Um, are there others for, you know, that might need some support from the government side, whether with legislation, le- legislative uh, changes? Uh, here I'm thinking maybe uh, crypto, blockchain. Is there anything there? Well, uh, Estonia has been uh, basically experimenting with blockchains in 2008 and then all governmental uh, critical databases integrity is uh, basically validated through blockchain since uh, 2012. So we have been the early adopter. Uh, uh, yes, there are of course are lots of ideas, uh, 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 tokenizing and, and cryptos and whatnot. Uh, but uh, uh, let's say nothing specific yet. There lots lots of ideas, uh, but uh, but, we... but you don't aim to be the sort of you know hotspot for uh, for crypto based uh, startups. Uh, I, I think we already are because uh, uh, the point one is, of one of yeah them, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, the point here is also that, for example, okay, from the apparatus side, is that we don't look at uh, these the, the we don't make the laws technologically specific. Mm-hmm. We, we the laws are describing a process whether you use crypto or tokens or whatnot. Uh, this is just a tool. So if you make a general process happen, and this is possible already, uh, then uh, you don't have to write the specific crypto law. Estonia has very few laws that uh, actually work on digital issues. This just describe general rules of conduct, and you can yes, of course. You need to be smart of writing these laws mm-hmm. so that would work in a digital domain as well. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily have to work on, on, on the digital specific laws. So uh, this can be done. One other part that uh, we are especially interested in and uh, willing to work in is uh, different mobility startups. Mobility. Yeah, because this is a highly regulated area. Uh, like uh, like uh, government is always playing a major major role, uh, and and this is a kind of like you need like hardware and and uh, stuff like that is expensive. So we're, so we're talking self driving. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, the AI story started with self driving cars, uh, but but uh, it's a wider thing. It's a very, it's, so self driving and all this mobility is very specific. Mobility is yeah. very very specific because it's a highly regulated domain, and this is like government plays a much bigger role than in uh, other other types of startups for example mm-hmm. from from our side what we see is that uh, we actually attract uh, we can't say that we attract, uh, we attract a specific vertical today like we attract because of the hassle-free business environment right and the openness and the adaptiveness um, if we look at the for example the uh, teams who come with the startup visa today then mostly they are 
uh, on a kind of larger topics, uh, AI, of course, but data uh, who um, indicate that they would want to do something in education. Um, so I would say that uh, from startup Estonian side, we don't want to take actually a focus in messaging that we only invite those startups in. We would want to still um, be broad have, enough, be broad enough, mm-hmm. be open enough and uh, message out that this is a great place to start. We are hassle free. We are open and adaptive. Um, to, to bring again one of the topics that was discussed over the weekends, the uh, so the, you know the field seems to be very good for having Estonia as a starting point and attracting the early founders, but then when it comes to growth, Estonia might become too small, and then you know eventually they start moving to to London or to to other places. <coughs> Are there any initiatives from from your sides that might make Estonia look attractive for those growth startups to stay? And why not change the mindset that, you know, let's prevent pipe drive from leaving or transfer wise from leaving, but let's make Estonia attractive enough for the startups that are currently now in, in Berlin to, to come here? Uh, I think, well, uh, Estonia is still a small country. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is a much wider uh, issue, um, how to build a place where people would actually be that is uh, vibrant enough uh, and dynamic enough uh, to, to, to attract those bigger companies who act globally. Uh, currently, yes, the evolution is such that if you become bigger, you, you op- open places, offices and others because, it, sorry, this is just practical. It's very understandable. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the only tricks uh, uh, we could do in Estonia uh, is something also that I'm working on, something from a completely different field, uh, is the Tallinn Helsinki Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can build a twin city uh, and uh, create the single single market uh, with uh, with more people, we can basically uh, compete straightforward with Stockholm, with uh, with Amsterdam region, just because of critical mass of people in there. Uh, and, oh, and kind of joining these two yeah, cities yeah, yeah. and, and, and these th- two th- ecosystems. Th- therefore, I think Peter Westerbakka's initiative to actually build it in in, in like a startup way. So. Uh, Peter Westerbach has, uh, has pointed and uh, brought an idea that we can build large-scale infrastructure projects with the startup mindset. This is the first time in the world. And this is a large project. This is like 85 kilometers of a tunnel yeah, under the sea. Yeah. Uh, but if we can do that, that would be the strategical momentum. But also, I think, strategical in it is that both of the government side, the apparatus, uh, has to change quite a lot in order to get this benefit. Uh, uh, like procedures need to be changed, blah, blah, blah. Lots of, lo- lots of boring stuff. But if we could uh, actually make that happen, and okay, uh, Westerbacher is a very optimistic guy. He says that 2024, will, uh, on the 24th of December, we will open the tunnel. Yeah. Even if we open it like one, two, three, five, ten years later, it's okay uh, because this will completely change and uh, and uh, that will make the like Helsinki and and, and uh, Finland uh, they although they live even further north than we do they're still the happiest people in the world <laughs> if we can kind of join those things uh, we can actually make this region very attractive for for people to come here and live here physically right and create the ecosystem here physically 
and and I think that is that is very critical. And and that's the type of you know sort of bold initiative that uh, that you know takes several years to to achieve, and uh, you know you can only measure it after the uh, the project is is completed. Uh, Marika, from, free, uh, from, yeah. from startup Estonia perspective, just to say is that we don't yet know the answer of uh, let's say how long would the foreigners want to stay or what are the main aspects why would they would leave because let's be honest startup visa is, uh, is a pilot uh, program as well so we don't have enough people yet who have uh, relocated here and then left but what we see is that um, the critical time is around let's say uh, two to three years that they would want to spend here and then they would want to leave where their market is and of course the market is where in the bigger countries uh, depending of their own startup but right? how would you define how would you define success like what would be success for for this initiative for the startup visa uh, for me personally success yeah. would be that uh, if the if the teams when they leave when it is ready for them that they would leave knowing that Estonia is their second home kind of in a sense that they would be the ambassadors for Estonia, not only their own country or, or whatever uh, whatever country, right? And and if eventually they become a unicorn that, you know, Estonia played a pivotal role. Exactly. In that. that they would they would see that part of their success was also relocating to Estonia. Right. Yeah, and I t- totally agree with uh, Marika here that uh, uh, this is the main thing that even if they leave and they lots of people probably will, it's it's a normal thing. It's human, understandable. Yeah, it's not. Uh, let's not, not. Let's not call it leave. Let's call it move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I think that's what's yeah. happening more and more. Yeah, people but, are moving. Uh, but uh, but if this mindset has changed and altered them as humans and and as as professionals as well, then uh, then this this has been a great success because they benefited uh, building, from the building time. this digital society, like mentioned before, it's a mindset thing. Right. It's not like to, in today's world, and even if we look further to the future. It's the, the 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 physical location becomes like uh, something that you can choose. But let me ask sort of a provocative, sort of final final question. Uh, in HR, there's a lot of discussion about when you hire someone to your company, you hire someone that uh, fits with the company culture, and and I've always seen that a little bit the opposite way, which is maybe if I hire someone, I want to hire someone that is going to shape my company culture. You know that they're going to bring something that my company is lacking, and that you know they're going to add to to my culture. How do you see that with the startup visa? Do you want people that are, uh, you know, learning from what Estonia is doing and you know fit to the Estonian uh, mindset, or do you want people to shape the uh, the culture? Uh, definitely the second version, uh, because uh, I think we need to have the the the. the wider specter of everything because like again mentioned in the earlier this helps to basically build adaptability mm-hmm. to change mm-hmm. so so all sorts of people uh, because uh, the the different mix of people and and especially like you mentioned peoples who would shape the culture uh, well I, I personally use uh, word like these are tricksters mm-hmm. uh, people uh, who are possibly controversial but still are creators of something new uh, is something that we we need uh, because uh, uh, each story of creating something, uh, the very uh, initial conditions of this happening, uh, is always always very controversial. If you look at complexity theory and and the butterfly effect, this comes from people that are unique and different. 
mm. and and uh, not always the society understands them in the beginning mm. but we in Estonia tried to uh, create this ecosystem that uh, that it would be acceptable and to- it would be okay <laughs> and i think the startup visa and, and the startup culture in wider mm. is is basically building this mm. what well, one good uh, i liked it how you brought in the hr and the startup companies right now because there is like the best thing what you could have in a company is the boomerang effect right that when the person leaves the company that at one point they would want to come back right and this has given you in the sense the best ambassador what you could have and the the person who shares your values so i think that if you would compare it to kind of the hr perspective then the best scenario what i would say the most successful one is that once the team leaves Uh, let's say relocates to some other country that the boomerang effect would come in place that at some point they would want to come back and contribute to the community here right uh and and just to 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 build on what you were saying uh martin that uh maybe widening the scope of startup visa to not necessarily only startup people yeah like artists uh, and uh yeah yeah freelancers right uh but uh this is really important uh, because currently like okay there's the meme of startups uh this is just regular small companies right right so if we could build a culture that uh, like not only like tech startups do it but it is a normal culture way of the normal way of doing business and and this this would be something really really significant Absolutely. yes the, of course the startups are spearheading this uh, so so let's culture. let's say that you know the startup visa is kind of like the mvp yeah and we can we can scale the mvp to to other yeah other because industries. if 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 uh, i don't know we are currently here in worms it's a very small island but a very very nice one with great potential if like three guys from this neighborhood they make their own startup of doing something very local and it's got nothing to do with technology but if they do it with this kind of culture and mindset uh, that's the change we want to get exactly thank you very much uh, marika and uh, martin uh, for being in the podcast and uh, let's build this ecosystem further and attract uh, more people to to come and join us with this mindset of change and uh, and resilience Thank you very much. Thank you.